Sorry, I don't know. I don't know what's going on right now. This is the weirdest um, moment of my life right now. <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna give you my title. Here we go, guys. This is gonna be. This is gonna be it. All right, my title is "How's Your Walk." How's your walk? Um, we've been talking about royalty. We've been talking about humility and. Caleb's message last week, I actually started writing this message before Caleb even did his, but it really kind of goes right along with it, you know, not just acting like Jesus, but being with Jesus, walking with Jesus, essentially. And um, before we get started, I want to be careful because I feel like you guys could take this the wrong way um, because I'm talking about kind of correction a little bit today, kind of like walking with Jesus the correct way, or sort of, um, sorry, like I said, weird day. Um, you know, when Allie and I first got married, I remember she liked the bed made, and I never made the bed. It didn't make sense to me because you're going to get right back in it the following night. Like, that seems counterproductive. Like, I think it'd be quicker. And she told me, well, studies show that you're actually more productive when you make your bed in the morning. It's like the first step of accomplishment. And I was like, all right, you know. But I noticed that it was really important to her. And the way that our schedules were, I left for work almost the time that she was getting home for work, and she would leave before me. And... I would wait the entire day to make the bed, and right before I knew that she was getting home, I would go and make it, not because it mattered to me, but because I loved her and I wanted her to be happy, even if it was just making the bed. And there's been a couple different instances um, where things she might have been a little bit particular on, folding the towels and things that apparently two towels, there's only one way that we fold towels in the house, and they all have to be folded that way. And, you know, she was never rude about it or angry or anything like that, but once I saw that there was a way that she wanted to do it because I loved her so much, I wanted to do it that way. You know, she never told me this is how you have to fold a towel, and if you don't do it this way, I'm going to be upset. But I just saw that it brought her a little bit of joy. So that's kind of why I did it. Does that make sense? And when I'm talking today and I'm talking about walking with Jesus, I want you to realize that, you see, there's nothing that you can do, obviously, to get God not to love you, all right? The Bible says that not even the powers of hell can separate you from his love. And once you step into Christianity, once you become a believer, you are in right standing with the Father, meaning that Jesus paid the price for everything. All right, so you are in right standing. All right, so this message is not so you can get, you know, be closer to God or have a better standing with God or so, get, so that God can love you more. This message is for the person that really loves the Father and just wants to also put a smile on his face in the same way that I've wanted to put a smile on my wife's face. Does that make sense? I wanted to give that little, um, little nugget before we get started. I'm going to read Galatians 6.9. It says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. 
at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You can leave that up there for a little bit, Abby. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. You know, there's kind of a common theme. It's actually in the Old Testament and in the New Testament about reaping what you sow, about what you sow you will eventually reap. And there's so many times biblically that it says when you sow good seeds, you'll reap a good harvest. And I notice even myself, it's kind of hard or scary to tell someone you know, when you sow good seeds, you're going to reap a good harvest because sometimes bad things happen, you know, and you don't want to be the person that told somebody, like even last night I was thinking about, I was like, God, I don't really want to say that, but I guess I'll just read the verse and I'll just step back. There's actually, I, I had so many verses today, I cut it out, but there's like seven or eight verses that I had that had the same point. You will reap a harvest of blessing when you don't give up. When you sow good seeds, you will eventually reap a good harvest. This next verse, I think, kind of shows you what it means to reap or to sow good seeds because I think a lot of times we like to say that we're sowing good seeds, but we're not, we're not realizing how often we're sowing something. Because I believe you are always sowing something, whether it's a good seed whether it's a bad seed or whether it's just an okay seed. I believe you're constantly planting something. This is 1 Peter 3.9. It says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. All right, did you get that there? <laughs> when you get insulted, when people insult you, you should think, okay, how can I bless them? And I like to say, okay, I'm sowing really good seeds. I know I'm sowing good seeds, but a lot of times when people insult me, my first reaction is not to figure out how I can bless them. So I wonder what type of seeds am I actually planting? And he goes on and he says, for the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life, and see many happy days. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Listen to this. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face from those who do evil. All right, the Bible literally says that he'll watch over those who do right and that his ears are going to be open to them. I don't know about you, but when I pray, I just want all of heaven to move, all right? I don't want to just pray prayers and expect nothing to happen. I want to have that relationship to where I know every time I pray, something's moving, something's happening. And scripturally, that's actually possible. But if we're not to that point yet, it tells me that we're missing something. You know? What are we planting? Am I actually planting good seeds or am I planting okay seeds? Because I've noticed sometimes the things that keep me the most from God are not bad things, they're good things. A lot of times I choose good over God because I tell myself, well, there's nothing bad about this. 
There's nothing wrong about this, but yet the kingdom's something totally, totally different. It's blessing someone that insults you. There's this, I don't even plan to tell you this, but this story is, I think about this all the time. There's this preacher named Chris Ballatin, and I love him. Before he became a pastor, he used to own auto parts stores, okay? He owned three different auto parts stores, and life was stressful. Anyone that owns a business knows that it can require you to work all hours of the night. And one of his main managers somehow decided he wanted to open up an auto parts store. And he had also decided that he was going to steal all of Chris's clients. So over the last coming months, he had been somehow orchestrating and making sure that all the clients were going to go with him. And all of a sudden, Chris gets a phone call from his landlord and says, hey, can I get, um, can you let me know like what you think about this man? And he said, yeah, I think a lot of him. He said, okay, good, because he's wanting to rent the space across the street, and I just wanted to see what his reputation was like. And Chris said, well, why is he, why is he renting the space across the street? And he said, well, because he's opening an auto parts store. I, I thought you knew that. The same man that had been working for him for years, that Chris trusted, that Chris loved, all of a sudden decided to steal all of his customers, go across the street, and open up a store. That's betrayal, okay? I don't know how you feel about that. And this pastor talks about how he went home, and he was just angry, and he was frustrated, and he was trying to pray about it. And he said he was praying, and all of a sudden he heard God say, well, what would I do? And he said, well, to be honest, God, I don't really want to think about what you would do right now. I don't want to think about what you would do. And this pastor talks about how a week later, he drives up to his ex-manager's store. It was opening day. He drives up in his truck, and he walks up there, and the manager comes out, and he's all anxious and worried. And he's like, I, I should have talked to you. And, you know, he's freaking out. And Chris goes, you know what? Don't worry about it. And he goes up to this box truck and he slides the door open and he goes, this is all the equipment that was in my store. And he said, I know you're going to need some nice equipment to run this store. I want you to have it. And he goes, I'm actually going to close the location across the street from you. And he said, I don't want there to be any conflict between us. He said, I'm just going to give you all my inventory and I'm going to give you all my supplies and I want you to run this store. I don't know about you, but that sounds, re sounds like to me repaying evil with blessings. And I've heard some, I've listened to this pastor a lot, I've heard him other times where he said, you know, every once in a while the Lord will speak to me and he goes, you know what, I'm going to bless you because of what you did to that manager. He says, years later I still hear the Lord speak to me, he goes, you know what, this blessing is because of what you did for that man. Because a lot of times we don't like to say it, but when we sow good seeds, we actually reap a good harvest. But the thing about reaping what you sow, all right, you guys have to get this, okay? You are always reaping last year's planting, okay? 
what you're sowing this year, you are not going to reap it until next year. And that's why it says don't give up doing good because a lot of times people start planting good seeds, but they're still reaping a bad harvest because it's what they planted years ago. It takes a long time to start reaping a good harvest because sometimes plants take a while to grow. You guys know the most profitable plant, the most profitable crop to grow? It's trees, all right? The average tree, a lot of them are, take a long time to grow, but on average, you can have a tree farm that has a turnaround rate of around eight years. Most large tree farms are upward of 7,500 acres, and one acre is worth up to $60,000, the crop is. The crop that takes the longest is also worth the most. And a lot of times we plant good seeds and we don't see anything from it and we think it's because something's wrong, but really it might be because you planted something really good and it's going to take a little bit longer to grow. Don't forget, don't give up. Keep planting good seeds. It might just take a little longer to see what's coming from it. Like I said, I think a lot of times we're planting and we don't realize. I think we're always planting something, whether it's good, whether it's bad, or whether it's just okay. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a little bit more aware of it. You know, because I think a lot of times things go on and I'm a little bit unaware. And I was reading this story about Paul when he was on, or Saul, when he was on the road to Damascus. And you guys probably know the story, but it's when God knocked him off his donkey and he was eventually changed from Saul to Paul and that whole thing. If you don't know, Saul was, Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament everything like that. He's real strong, all that good stuff. (laughs) But before that, he killed Christians for a living. Before that, he spent his time killing God's people. And in the middle of the story, I'm just going to read one verse. I'm going to read the New King James Version. This is Acts 9-5, right? This is Paul or Saul, call him whatever you want. Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And he said, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Other versions um, also say it is hard for you to resist the pricks. The pricks. If you don't know what a goad is, you can throw that picture up, Abby. That is a goad at the top. So you see, um, whenever you would farm or plow, you would halter up your your oxen. And as you trained your oxen or your cattle, your goats, whatever it might be, you would prick them. You would take your goad, and as they were walking, you would prick them in the back to tell them when to keep going, to tell them when to stop. And at that time, whenever farmers were training their cattle, if they would get a cow that didn't listen, they would have to prick them harder. And if they kept betraying them, if they weren't listening, they would have to keep pricking them and pricking them. And eventually it would get to the point where they would say, okay, you know what? This animal is not worth it. 
let's turn it loose. Let's turn it loose. And as you can imagine, if you've ever worked cattle before, a lot of times when you're trying to help them the most is when they hate you the most. All right? I don't know if you've ever tried to pull something out of a cow before to try to save its life, but they hate it. They don't like it. All right? I've tried cutting horns off when they're growing into their head, and there's something in me that wants to reason with them. You know, like I want to grab them by the nose and be like, I'm saving your life. I'm saving your life. You know, I want to tell them, but they're constantly kicking against it. They're kicking against the very thing that's trying to save their life. And here's Saul about to become Paul. He's killing Christians, and at the same time, God's down there going, no, 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 there's something better for you. And he's got that goat. He's going, no, no, there's something better for you. That's not the way you're meant to go. He's going, don't kick against my pricks. So that's what they would do. That's what it was called when they'd used the goat. It was pricking them. It's pricking them. No, 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 don't go that way. Don't go that way. Not because I'm mad at you, not because I hate you, but because there's something better. There's something better than that. And I think a lot of times we're completely unaware. We're actually kicking against the goads. We're reaping harvests that we were never meant to reap because we sowed seeds that we were never meant to plant. And at the very time we were sowing them, God was down there going, no, 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 don't plant that. Don't plant that. There's a better way to go. And we were kicking. We were kicking. And I don't know about you, but I just want to be more aware of the pricks of the Holy Spirit. Because I want to really walk with him, you know? I want to walk with God. I always pray this prayer, like, God, please don't let me miss it if I'm doing something wrong. Like, please convict me so hard because it's so easy to go through life and miss it. You know, it's so easy to go through life and stay the same. Really, like, think on this verse, like, God, I don't want to kick against the goad anymore. I want to be aware of what you're speaking and what you're saying. And reading this verse, my mind immediately went towards my dog. If you guys have seen my dog, or if you know Allie and I, you know that we're huge dog people. We love animals, absolutely love them. And we have this dog named Wrangler, and he, has, he was bred to hunt and work. He's a working dog, and he has more energy than any other dog I've ever seen in my life. His drive is so high. He runs somewhere close to 28 to 35 miles a week. I mean, he runs a lot. He has a very high drive. And as he was getting older, we realized that we could not control him. I remember... One time we were taking Wrangler out on our road because we wanted to go for a walk and he was on a leash. And he looked like he was trying to climb a mountain. Like his chest was down to the ground and he looked like a little mole, like scratching at the floor. And he was like dragging Allie 
across the road. It was just horrible. Like I had never been more humil like no one was even around and I was like, we I need to hide myself. Like I'm so humiliated. Like he was dragging us across the road and my dream was always to have a dog that could run out in the pasture in the open fields and right when I called him he'd come back and you know I spent like hours hours, countless hours watching training videos and training him and I remember watching him just run under our fence and go under the neighbor's fence and there he was in the blink of an eye. His breed can reach up to 40 miles an hour like he's a fast dog and he'd be miles away within seconds and he did not listen at all. Like he just would not listen and we got to the point to where like, I, again, I wanted to reason with him. You know, I'm holding his face. And I'm like, I can't let you outside anymore. Like, I can't let you free anymore because you don't listen. Like, I want you to run free, but I can't let you because you're going to get hit by a car. You're running in the road. You're running down the street. I'm, you guys think I'm joking. Allie and I literally have conversations with our dogs like this. <laughs> and I'm trying to reason with him, you know, but it got to the point where we couldn't take him on walks. We couldn't take him to the park. We couldn't let him outside because he didn't listen. And I was telling Gary, I was telling him that I was going to do this message. And I was like, you know, I kind of, as I'm getting into it, I kind of want to show a video of how Wrangler acts now. Because people don't, aren't going to get it, like how he used to be and how he is now. Like they're not going to get it. And I said, can you have, like, I was going to take a video of him with my phone. If you don't know, Gary does photography with John, and he does all the videoing stuff or whatever it's called. I don't mean he did photography. I just meant he did it with John. But anyway, he put together this video for me to show. So it looks, it's pretty moving. All right, guys. So here we go. Let's watch it. This is Wrangler and me. So as you can see, Wrangler is a little bit different from <laughs> what I described. And there's one thing that completely changed Wrangler's life. This is called an e-collar. All right? I think it's on, yeah. It's like a shock collar, but it's more of like a TENS machine. Um, this is me shocking myself now. If anyone wants to afterwards, I'll be happy, <laughs> happy to let you see what it feels like. But um, it has this little number gauge on it, and it goes from 0 to 100. And I normally keep him on around a 15, and it's actually kind of hard for me to even recognize that it's shocking me at a 15. I can't really feel it until it gets to about a 25. But anyway, 
as we're training Wrangler, because you know, a lot of the YouTube videos that I watched, they taught me just to train him with positive reinforcement, <laughs> just to train him with treats. Well, eventually we would get outside and he would want to chase the bird a lot more than he would want a square of cheese, you know? And he would take off running and that would be the end of it. And it wasn't until we got the e-collar, it wasn't until we started pricking him a little bit to show him, no, 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 there's a better way to do it because you see, you might think, oh, well, that's really, that's really harsh for you to shock your dog. That's really messed up. That's animal abuse. No, animal abuse was me having to lock him in a six by six piece of grass and not let him go anywhere because he wouldn't listen. That's animal abuse. Because now I hardly ever have to use this. Rarely do I ever use this, but he got so used to the prick. He got so used to what it feels like to be pricked that now he listens. And not only does he listen, but he wants to listen. I wanted to get a video of this, but we totally forgot. I forgot to tell Gary. You guys will not believe me. Ali has seen this more than 100 times, but I have to be careful in the morning not to touch this collar. All right, if he hears it, both of our dogs, we have two dogs, one of our dogs wasn't home at the time, that's why she wasn't in the video, but um, if they hear this jingle, they will get so excited. All right, their tails will start going crazy, they'll start howling, they'll jump up on the bed, they're trying to get to the collars, they want them on their neck because they know when the collar goes on their neck, they go outside. They know that when they get pricked, they also get more freedom. And I feel like that's kind of the same thing with us. A lot of the time, we don't get to walk in true purpose because we're not really being pricked. We're not really listening to the goads. I think a lot of times God looks down at us and he wants to reason with us. And he goes, I have so much more for you. I want to take you so many more places, but you got to learn how to listen. I could have never have taken Wrangler to Lowe's, to downtown Disney, taken Wrangler to, you know, shopping centers and stuff that we do with him now. I could have never have done that before. I knew that. I would have never dared taken him anywhere. And I think a lot of times God wants to take us more places, but he's afraid of what we might do when we get there. He's afraid of what might happen once we get there, that we're going to be so excited and we're going to go off leash and be gone. So I wonder if there's sometimes that God has to restrain us until we actually learn how to be tender to the pricks to be tender to the goad, to be aware of what we're actually planting. What are we actually planting on a daily basis? This is a very common verse in the Bible. It's, I love it, but um, sometimes when things are common, we get a little bit used to it. And I kind of want to look at it with some new eyes. This is John 15, 1 through 2. It says, I am the true grapevine. 
I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. He prunes the branches that bear fruit so that they will produce even more. There is this common misconception in Christianity that pruning is punishment. Pruning is the reward of growth. All right, did you guys catch that? There's only two options in the kingdom. Either you're going to be cut back or you're going to be pruned. Either way, you're going to get cut. It just depends how far back you get cut. Pruning is the process of growth. All right, when you grow, the reward is pruning. Verse 3 says, You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. A different version says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. All right, did you catch that? How are you pruned? Because God speaks to you. How are you going to be pruned so that you can grow? It's by his word and by him speaking to you. He's speaking to the people and he's saying, no, no, you're already pruned because I already spoke to you. At this point in time, whenever Jesus was telling this story, it was in the agricultural age, so everyone would have been really familiar with what was going on. All right, everyone would have been like on page, they would have known what was going on. This is a grapevine right here at the bottom. Obviously, this is the fruit. It's growing up. These are the vines, these are the grapes, and those are the leaves. That's a gardener over there, and he's trimming the vine. All right. I don't know if you know this, but if you don't trim a grapevine, it will continue to produce, but it will stop producing fruit. For instance, if you were to pull these grapes, let's say you were to harvest these grapes, the plant would then continue to grow. It would continue to grow vines and leaves. If you still didn't prune it, it would get to the point where it would no longer grow fruit, it would no longer grow leaves, it would only grow the vine. I've seen and actually heard of vines growing up to 25 feet long without one single leaf on them. If you're not cutting it back to the fruit, it will continue to grow. And that's what the guy's doing at the top, after you pull the grapes, then you have to cut it back. You have to constantly cut it back to its fruitfulness. And I wonder, can God actually speak a word of correction to you? Can he actually prune you? Because that's how he prunes you is through his voice. So how good are you at receiving the correction? I'm sure the majority of us would say, very good, like we want to hear God's voice and we want to change. How about this? How do you handle it when he does it through someone else? How do you handle it when he prunes you through your wife or through your husband or through your friend? How then do you receive the correction? Because technically you can't have any fruit without first being pruned. Eventually, the vine will get to a point to where it looks dead. 
you can't even tell it's alive until you go to cut it. And you're like, oh, that still has some life in it. Couldn't tell because it had gone so long before it was, until it was pruned. Sometimes if you go too long without being pruned, you're no longer going to have any fruit on you. You're no longer going to be producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You're not going to produce that stuff because you haven't been pruned. You guys got to remember, you know, it's pride that comes forth and goes, that wants to get defensive. That's like a prideful spirit. When you get defensive, when you're afraid to admit your faults or your failures, that's actually pride. That's not humility. Being pruned is a good thing because you guys got to realize we're in a world and we're in a culture that has vine races. All right, we live in a culture that wants to see how long they can grow their vines. I remember I was, I was working last week and I was talking to this guy about doing a job and he was talking to me about his house and he said, I just want people to drive by my house and go, oh, wow, I wish I would have done that. Like, I want people to drive by my house and wish they had what I had. That's what he told me. And I thought to myself, that doesn't sound very fruitful. Where's the fruit in that? Where's the fruit in keeping up with the Joneses? Where's the fruit in making sure that you're making the most money? I wonder how much of our lives is actually concerned around producing fruit. I wonder if we ever get caught up in the idea of just producing vines. I'm not against working or making a lot of money at all. I'm not against that. I'm just saying, I wonder how much of the time we're unaware that we are actually planting seeds and growing vines. I don't know about you, but I want to be cut back to my faithfulness. Every single time I produce something, I want to be cut back. God, keep cutting me back. Keep pruning me. Keep pruning me because if I'm left to myself, I have no idea how I'm going to react how I'm going to act, because I've realized that we have been deceived, guys. We have been deceived to believe that we're handling things better than we actually are. We have been deceived to believe that we're handling things better than we are. Okay, listen to this. If you don't learn to trust somebody more than you trust yourself, you will never get out of deception. Because the nature of deception is that you do not know that you're being deceived. If you do not learn to trust somebody more than you trust yourself, you will never get out of deception because the nature of deception is you don't know that you're being deceived. You don't know that you don't know. All right? If, you being, if you're being deceived and you know it, that's not deception. That's... That's you being stupid, all right? <laughs> let's, be, let's be straight, all right? Who, no one gets deceived while knowing it. That's not deception. I, there's been so many instances in our marriage because Allie and I have a marriage where we tell each other, you know, if you see me do anything, tell me. Please tell me. There have been so many times, countless, countless, countless times that Allie has come up to me out of love and out of goodness. And she said, you know, when you were talking to so-and-so, you kind of acted like a know-it-all. 
out of love and I appreciate when she does this. And so many times I've thought immediately there's just something that swells up inside of me that wants to argue my point, that wants to say no. If I came across like that, I wasn't meaning it. That is not an apology. Someone needs to hear that, right? That's not an apology. All right, there's something that swells up inside of you that wants to defend your point. And I realized eventually I have to get to the point where I go, okay, I don't see how I acted like that, but you know what? I'm going to trust Allie more than I trust myself. And all of a sudden, without realizing it, I seem to walk out of deception. And all of a sudden, it's like, how did I act like that? How did I say that? I didn't even realize it. It's like in the beginning when she brought it up to me, I, all, all I wanted to do was argue it. I couldn't see how she could see that. But all of a sudden, when I make the decision to trust her more than myself, I step out of deception. It's like, whoa, what was I doing? Because you got to remember, guys, God's pruning you, but a lot of times he's pruning you through the people closest to you. He's a really good doctor, but when he looks at me and goes, oh, wow, he needs to be pruned, he reaches down and he goes, hey, Allie, can you hold this scalpel? Can you please go cut that away on Corey? Because that's not looking too good on him. And the sad truth is, you know, sometimes Allie isn't as good with the scalpel as God is. Sometimes she isn't as gentle as he would be. But I had to make the decision, you know what, maybe she could have said it a little bit nicer. Maybe she could have handled it a little bit differently. But you know what, she has my best interest in mind. I'm going to trust her more than I trust myself. I want to be cut back to my fruitfulness. And I had to get to the point where I grab her hand every time. And I go, thank you so much. Please, if you ever see anything, tell me. No matter what it is, if it's the smallest thing, if it's, it's, it's the face I make, tell me, tell me, because I want to be godly. I want to show love. I want to show good fruit. I want to be gentle. I want to be kind. And you can't do it on your own. God's using someone else to reveal it to you. And I think the second way that we are deceived not only to believe that we're doing better than we actually are, but we are deceived into believing there's a reason for why we are acting the way that we're acting. I've noticed a lot with everyone around me and absolutely with myself as well. It's very common to go, yes, I'm frustrated because Yes, I'm stressed out because, and then we say what happened that day, or we say what was going on, you know? Listen to this, okay? Trials do not create the condition of your heart, all right? Trials do not create the condition of your heart. They just reveal it. Trials do not create the person you are. They just reveal the person you are. They just reveal the person you're becoming. So technically speaking, you're not angry because you had a bad day at work. You're angry 
because you have some anger inside of you. All right, yeah, are you trying to tell me that if you're laying on a beach in Hawaii sipping on some juice that you're not going to be angry? Like, yes, I agree with you. Everyone can act like that, okay? You can actually be deceived into believing that you have the fruits of the Spirit just by not going around certain people, okay? That is not the fruit of the Spirit, okay? That is just you staying away from annoying people, okay? Trials do not create the condition of your heart. They just reveal it. I think we've been deceived into believing that there's a reason to why we're acting. What if God's just using it to prune us? What if he's just using the goad to bring us back to our faithfulness? The plants that produce the most get pruned the most. All right, we have these huge rose bushes. I talk about them all the time. They produce massive flowers. That's because every day I go out there and I cut off the dead leaves. It only takes a minute or two, but it's constant. I'm constantly pruning it, and it keeps producing. If you want to actually produce fruit, you have to be really good at pruning the plant. John 15, 7 says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. All right, so this is the continuation of the vine, all right? He's saying, I prune you through my words. That's why he said, I'm pruning you through my words. And he said, if you remain in me, if you keep walking with me and my words actually stay in you, you can ask anything you want and it will be granted to you. Have you guys ever met someone that just prays for anything and it seems like they get it every time? There's a possibility that they might be actually walking with Jesus and their words might actually be in them. This isn't like prosperity gospel, guys. I'm actually reading what it says, all right? If we are not to that point, that tells me that we're missing something. That tells me that we're actually missing something. Because God says, no, no, I'm going to the Father so that you can ask me anything and I'll give you everything you ask for. The Bible says that God looks down and he goes, if you think your earthly Father can give you good gifts, how many better gifts can I give to you? He's a good, good Father that actually wants to bless you. Like he wants to pour out blessing on you. And you're like, well, why are these bad things happening? Sometimes bad things happen, but a lot of times it's because of the seeds you planted in the past. And at the same time, he was down there going, no, please don't plant that. He was down there with the goad going, there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a better way. And we kick it. How many times have I kicked your prick, Father? You know, the Bible says that his yoke is easy. You guys know what a yoke is? You know what a yoke is? Show them what a yoke is, Abby. All right, that, that's a yoke, okay? You see, at that time, 
Cattle driving and still today is sometimes hard. It's hard on the cattle because you got to prick them hard. But God goes, no, no, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not trying to hurt you. My yoke is easy. It's easy. Its burden is light because those things are heavy. You know, they weigh down the oxen. He goes, no, no, when you put on my yoke, it is so light because I'm going to lead you in the direction you were always meant to go. This is Matthew 11. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You got to take on my yoke, though. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give is light. Do you guys get that? He's going, I got to teach you first. I will give you rest, but I got to teach you. You keep planting the wrong seeds. Put my yoke on, and I promise I'll lead you in the right direction. I don't know about you, but I want to have his yoke on. I want him to prick me. I want my heart to be tender so when I do something wrong, I don't want to be prideful and defend it. I want to go, yep, you're right. Next time's better because listen, when God pricks you, I want you to get this, all right? I want you to remember this. When God pricks you, it's never to go, look what you did. It's to go, hey, look where we can go. All right, every time he convicts you, it's never going to be, look what you did. How are you going to fix it? It's going to be, we can do it better. We can do it better. My burden is so light. We can do it better. Why don't you guys stand up? I know that this isn't for everybody. And like I said, this you don't have to do this to make sure that Jesus loves you more or anything like that. But this is for the people that just love God and really want to please him. There are so many promises in the Bible that talk about when you sow seed, you'll actually reap a good harvest. I don't know about you. I want to please the Father, but reaping a good harvest also sounds really good. He's a good father and he just wants to pour out blessing on you. So as Caleb sings this song, let's just focus on our lives. This is not just a Sunday thing, guys. This is a Monday through Sunday. This is an everyday, all week, all month, all year. Father, I want your yoke on me. Your burden is so light. You always have my greater good in mind. He is so good.